Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Uh, we've been, we started this series last week called Why. Everybody say why. Why. You can say it like a Texan. Come on, why. Why. And the reason why we're doing this series is because we're talking about why Jesus came. We know that Christmas is about Jesus, that Jesus is the reason for the season, that Christmas is Christ's mass. We know that it's about Jesus, but why? Why? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus live? Why did he die? Why does he live forever? Why Why did Jesus come? And we talked about that a lot last week, and we talked about how Jesus, uh, how our culture is projecting a certain Christ. Come on, some people are projecting a certain Christ that isn't accurate to the true Christ that we read in Scripture. And in order to be a true Christian, you've got to follow the true Christ. Come on. And we talked a little bit about some, you know, a little bit theology things. We talked about the Trinity a little bit. We talked about Christology and the incarnation and the hypostatic union. Come on, and the virgin birth. So we talked about some things. So if you weren't here, go back and listen to that. I think it's really important that you have your Christology in place and uh, you really know who Jesus is because that's critical. But the but also knowing this, that we don't just know who Jesus is. We also know his assignment. Why did Jesus come? And primarily the reason that we talked about last week that Jesus came is to save the people from their sin. The reason why Jesus came on the earth is to seek and save that which was lost. I don't know about you, but I was, at lo- I was lost at one time in my life, and Jesus found me. And because he found me, now I seek him for all my days. I'm seeking Jesus because he rescued me. And he's the only one that could have done that. He's the only one that would have done that. He's the only one that has that kind of love. And he is the only one that did do that. So that's what we talked about last week. And we're going to continue in John chapter 1. Verse 12, that's sermon number one for you. This is sermon number two. We'll probably have about six today. Uh, John chapter one, verse 12 says, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right, everybody say power, everybody say exousia. That, that word right is actually means governmental authority. Some translations use the word power to become children of God. And we hit on that last week that we're not all born children of God. You've got to be born a second time to become a child of God. And that's part of the reason why Jesus came. Children born not of human descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The incarnation. We have seen his glory the glory of the only one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody say grace and truth. This is what Jesus came. He came to bring grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this, is, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me will surpass me because he was before me. This is John the Baptist testifying of Jesus. And then verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, We have received one blessing after another. The New American Standard says it this way. We have received grace upon grace. Another translation says we have received grace on top of grace. What is that saying? That's saying that when we come to Jesus, we don't just get a measure of grace for the moment. Come on, we get grace on top of grace. You got grace from where you start. You get grace in the middle. 
and you get the grace to finish. It's grace upon grace, it's upon grace. It all starts with grace, and it all ends with grace. And some of you, you got grace at the beginning, but you don't have grace at the end. And so what Jesus has for you is he has grace on top of grace. Grace that will fill in and through your life all the way until, all the way till you finish, till you are seeing him face to face. It'll all be because of grace. It won't be because you were good enough. It won't be good because you were a good enough citizen, or because you had put on, because you came to church and checked the church box. No, no, no. It will be because of the grace of God. It won't be because of your efforts. And so it says this in verse 17. Stop preaching for a minute. Verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses. Everybody say the law. Everybody say old covenant. So the old covenant, the law was given through Moses, through a man, but grace and truth came through the God man, Jesus Christ. So the law was given through a man, Moses. But grace and truth, what we're talking about today, came through Jesus Christ. See, when it talks about the law, it's talking about the old way. Everybody say the old way. Now, the old way is this covenant we call the Sinai covenant or the Mosaic covenant or the Old Testament covenant. The old covenant is basically that we don't know the word covenant too well, uh, but covenant actually just means like a contract or an agreement, an agreement, right? An agreement between two parties. When you get married, which some of you need to do, come on. When you get married, you enter into a covenant, right? A covenant means what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. A covenant, that, a marriage covenant. So when you get married, when Leslie and I got married, we came into covenant with one another. There are certain things we will and will not do because we're married, Right? We were girlfriend and boyfriend before that. We were engaged before that. But when you got married, it's legally bonding before men and before God. So it matters, right? And so what we did is when we got married, we came into that covenant. We said, we are together on this thing. We are one, right, before God. So a covenant is a contract and an agreement between two, two parties. How many know that you have, God wants to have a covenant with you, much like a marriage, Right? So God wants you to have a relationship, and he had a relationship with the children of Israel with, through Moses, right? The law was given through Moses. Now, there's something about that covenant. We call this the old covenant, right? First five books of the Bible are devoted to this. The, the, the covenant had a specific people. It was from God through Moses to the Jewish people. Okay, you guys tracking with me? The Mosaic covenant wasn't for Gentiles. You say, what is a Gentile? A Gentile is anybody that's not a Jew. So Jews, did Jews have to keep the Old Testament covenant? No. Why? Because it wasn't for them. It was for the Jews. All the promises and all the commands for the Jewish people. So it was for a specific people. The second thing, it was for a specific purpose. The reason why God had established his purpose for the Jewish people is to preserve them and to set them apart so they can set the stage for the Messiah to come. That was the purpose for the law. The law was to set the whole thing up for Jesus to emerge on the scene, right? Now, hold on with that with me. The third thing about the Mosaic Covenant is the Mosaic Covenant was for a specific time period. It wasn't an eternal covenant. It was for an eternal time. It, was for, it wasn't for an eternal time period. It was for a specific time period. Now, we talk about time periods. We're talking about Leslie and I have a covenant. How long is that covenant? that I have with my wife. Till when? Till death do us part. Until one of us dies, we are bound by that covenant. Right? That's something we need to learn in America. 
right? Until death do us part. Not until, you know, we don't get along anymore, we don't love one another or whatever. No, 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 until death do us part. I heard it said one time, this way, we get married because we love one another. You stay married, you, you at, before marriage, you, you, you get married because you love one another. After marriage, you love one another because you're married, right? And so it's a covenant, an establishment, an agreement. And that is legally bonding before us, before God, until what? Death do us part. So that's the time period. So if one of us dies, we're released from the covenant, right? Don't be praying for that, baby, right? Come on, so, <laughs> right? So the covenant, listen, this Mosaic covenant had a specific time period. You know what that time period was? Until it was fulfilled. See, I, we have a, a, a mortgage on our house, right? We have a mortgage on our house. That mortgage is good for how long? Most cases, 30 years. When will, that, when will that contract not be good anymore? When it's fulfilled, after 30 years, after we pay it off, right? After it's paid off, we're done. We're free from that contract. We don't, know, we don't have to ask so many questions. We don't, have to, we don't have to even carry insurance on it. We don't have to do any of those things. Why? Because now we're free from that contract. The contract that says all those things because now the house belongs to us. It's completely ours. It doesn't belong to us and the bank, right? So a specific time, a specific people, a specific purpose, a specific time period. Jesus says this about the law. Here we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. What is Jesus saying there? Do not understand why I didn't come. Many people will use this and say, no, 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 we still got to keep the law because Jesus said I didn't come to abolish the law. What Jesus means by saying I didn't come to abolish the law is he's saying I didn't come as an opponent to the law. The law is not bad. It's really, really good, actually. I just have it, and I'm standing on its shoulders. It's prepared the way for me, and I'm fulfilling this covenant. I don't have a problem with this covenant. It's just it ends here because I'm fulfilling it. I finished the 30-year note. Tracking? Right? Now, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Verse 18, I'll tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear. So some people say, well, there it is right there. We're going to keep the law of Moses. Hold up. Until its purpose is achieved. What was the purpose of the Mosaic Covenant? To prepare for the Messiah. So did Jesus fulfill the old covenant or did he not? Did he fulfill part of it or all of it? All of it. He fulfilled the whole Mosaic covenant. Is there still value in the Mosaic covenant? Absolutely. Prepare the way for Jesus. Do we, are we under the Mosaic covenant? No, because Jesus accomplished it. And Jesus came to give us a new covenant. Are there some things in this covenant that are also in this covenant? Sure. If I went and refinanced my house, it might be a good idea. It might not be a bad, it might, might be a good idea. It might be a bad idea. If I went and refinanced my house, I would get a contract that looked very similar, but it's a different contract. Are there some things in my current contract in my house and my current mortgage that would be also in a mortgage if I refinanced my house? Sure. Got to make your payments on time. Got to carry insurance. All those kinds of things. Definitely things that are in both covenants. However, I am not bound to the things in this covenant based upon what the covenant says, but because there are certain universal laws within this covenant 
that, that go on any covenant. Take, for instance, do not murder. That's under the old covenant. That's right, but it was also before the old covenant. Right? Remember? Sin. Can you sin before the old covenant? People are like, well, people aren't going to know how to sin if they don't have the law of Moses. That's not true. People sinned way before the law of Moses ever showed up. Remember Cain and Abel? Remember Adam in the garden? <laughs> Come on. There was a lot of sin on the earth before the law ever showed up. However, the, the law, the purpose of the law has transformed. Now we look at the law and we go, man, I'm broken. I can't fulfill any of those things. What am I going to do? Come to Jesus because Jesus fulfilled them all. This is the purpose of the old covenant law. So Jesus didn't come to abolish it or oppose it. So the law set the stage for Jesus. All 300 prophecies under the prophets, 600 laws. 600 laws. That's a lot. Jesus fulfilled them all. There's a movement that says, oh, we got to keep... We've got to keep the uh, ceremonial laws, or we've got to keep the moral laws, or we've got to keep the sacrificial laws. That's the one that everybody wants to get rid of. Let's not do the sacrifice, but let's keep the morals. Listen, all of it has been fulfilled. Either all of it has or none of it has. So when someone comes and they start saying, you've got to keep what's in Leviticus about trimming your beard, right? Nobody likes to read that one, right? We, we, always, like to, we always like to use the verses that... that that uh, promote our purpose. So we're like, oh, we'll pull this out. I don't even know what it means, but it says don't cut your beard, so I'm more spiritual than you. Are there things in the old, old covenant that are also in the new covenant? Absolutely. Absolutely. But we are not bound to this covenant. It has been fulfilled. You get it? Some people say, well, not all of it. Okay, so tell me what parts. Tell me what parts that Jesus didn't fulfill. Which part? Go ahead. Oh, not that part. The parts that you like. Oh, let me just say one more thing about that. Listen, the new covenant is not an amendment to the old covenant. We don't amend. We don't go, oh, let's just change the cover. We don't stay. No, no, it's a different contract. It's new. The old is gone. The new has come. Y'all okay? Hebrews chapter 8. I think I drilled that point home. Hebrews chapter 8. Now, Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, the old priesthood under the old covenant. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God. Who's it with? Who's the covenant with? God. And it's a lot better now because Jesus established a new covenant, right? The law came through. Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus, based upon better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, what was wrong with the first covenant? What was wrong with the law? Nobody could do it. The fault was in the people. The fault, the problem with the old covenant was that the performance of people couldn't fulfill it. It was problematic because of the performance of people. It was all based upon your performance. And if you couldn't perform well, you broke it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, and this is Jeremiah, which prophesies of the new covenant. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new, everybody say new, new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. 
The covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the children of Israel on that day, says the Lord. It's like he turned his back on them, and then he showed up face to face with the man Jesus. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they won't need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And when God speaks of a new covenant, here it is, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means the first one made the first one obsolete. You don't have two covenants, beloved. You have one. One. It's thinner, too. But it cuts deeper. It means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. A better covenant. A better, a far superior covenant. I don't get why people want to keep the old covenant. I'm like, you've got a better one. There, You've got a better deal. Good news. It's the good news. It's not the old news. It's the good news. It's the new good news. It's not fake news. It's good news. <laughs> Number one, what are, what are some points of the covenant? Number one is forgiveness. Here's the deal. God requires righteousness. It's not optional. To approach God, you must be righteous. So the law demanded righteousness. Jesus fulfilled righteousness. Well, I'm not righteous. That's right. You're not. Unless you come to Jesus and you accept his righteousness, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, don't think that you get to approach God because you're a good person, because you were really good this week and you didn't cuss as much as you did last week, or you fed somebody that was hungry or you were kind. You don't get to approach God on those credentials. Your credential is Jesus. Jesus is the credential. Jesus fulfilled righteousness. Your righteousness falls short. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. He cancels the first covenant. There it is again. If you really want to dig into this, dig into the book of Hebrews. It's a great place. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifices of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. So God's will is for you to be holy. How do you get holy? Right here. To be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all time. How many times does Jesus have to die? Just once. It was good enough. If it was just a man, it wouldn't have been good enough. But because it's the God-man, Jesus Christ, because it's the one who is fully God and fully man, came and died and paid for it all, who provided the way for you, because it was him, it's good enough forever. It's forever it's good. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers at the altar, day after day, offering the sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. Why? Because every day you're going to sin. Every day you're going to go and you're going to screw up and go back to the priest. 
I almost got out the door that time. And the priest, it's you again, yeah. Got home and my kids, you know. I mean, I got in the car and somebody cut me off in traffic. Here I am. Day after day, again and again, which can never take away sin. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin. Good for all time. All time. Then he sat down. It says in Hebrews this, after Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What does that mean? That means when you finish working, what do you do? You sit down. This is what Jesus did. Jesus did the work for your righteousness. Jesus did the work for your access to God the Father. And then you know what he did? He sat down. Why? Because the work is finished. Some of you need to sit down and trust that the work is finished. Stop standing up for your own righteousness and start sitting down and trust his. It was good for all time. I read a story. We talk about forgiveness. I read a story this week about a a woman who was having visions of Jesus. And uh, she went to the archbishop and she said, hey, I've been having visions of Jesus. He's been showing up and we've been talking. He said, listen, what I want you to do is next time you go to Jesus, ask him, what sins I confess to him. She's like, okay. So she goes, she asks Jesus, and she comes back. She has a vision, all that kind of stuff. She comes back, and he's like, he's like, so? He said, uh, did you talk to Jesus? Did you ask him what sins I committed before I confessed him? And she said, I asked him, I said, Lord, what sins did the arch- archbishop commit before he confessed and Jesus leaned forward and she leaned into Jesus and he said, I can't remember. See, Jesus can't remember your sin once you go before him. He can't remember your sin. It's Hebrews eight twelve, right there in the new covenant. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. See, people's forgetters don't work very good when it involves your sin. But God's forgetter works really good. He's really good at forgetting the things that need to be forgotten, like sin. And see, he forgot. He forgot those mistakes that you made 30 years ago that you've been living in. He forgot the thing that you did last week that you were so stupid that you've been kicking yourself over all week. He forgot about it because you took it to him. Beloved, don't let the devil get you in shame. Don't let the enemy sit around and accuse you and say that you can't do X, Y, Z because of ABC. Listen, beloved, if you've come to Jesus, you're brand new. You're brand new. You're clean. One sacrifice for all. God forgets their witness. He doesn't, Lord, I'm so sorry. You stop confessing. When you go to the Lord and you say, God, when I was 17 years old, I created this heinous sin. Whatever it is. We say, well, Pastor Josh, you don't know what I did. Listen, I know this. I know that there's not a sin on the planet that's more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no sin that's more powerful than that. There's no sin. I'm here to tell you today, if you've come to Jesus with that sin, you quit confessing it. Because the only person that you're reminding of that sin is you. Jesus wants to take the sting of that sin out of your life. You don't have to live with regret. 
You don't have to live with shame. You don't, have to, don't let people put you down because of the mistakes that you've made. You have gone before a holy God, a holy God that is far more superior and holy than any other human. You can go, go before a holy God that looks at you and said, you're clean. Because what Jesus did is enough. He finished the work. He's sitting right here. He already did it. Why are you bringing that up? I don't even know what you're talking about. No shame, no regret, no penance, no paybacks. Well, I've got to pay for my sin. Who are you paying? You ain't paying God. Jesus already paid for it. Y'all all right? Number one, you're forgiven. Number two is fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship, fellowship. You want to talk about fellowship? Fellowship always precedes fellowship. All right. I will be their God and they will be my people. From the least to the greatest, they will know me. They will know me already. See, the old covenant was rooted in instruction. The new covenant is rooted in intimacy. It was all about what you could do. Check the box, check the box, check the box. The new covenant is, will you just come to me? Will you spend some time with me? John 15, I no longer call you servants, Jesus says. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. What is he talking about? He's talking about intimacy. Beloved, did you know that you can know what God's thinking? Well, nobody knows the mind of God. Read 1 Corinthians. Read Romans. Read about the mind that you've been given in the new creation, that you've been given the spirit of God. Scripture says it this way. It says that that you can understand the deep things of God because of the spirit of God that's inside of you. Nobody knows his mystical. Dude, God is not caught up in all that. You are, but he ain't. He's like, I want you to know me. I want you to know me completely. Come on in. Come on in, beloved. Let's hang out together. Learn from my father. Listen, he loves to fellowship with you. He loves to fellowship with you, even when you've forgotten to fellowship with him. You ever do that, man? God, I haven't talked to you in a long time. A little scared. He loves, he's like, come on, let's talk. Let's hang out. If it's in the morning, if it's at night, if it's on your ride to work, I love spending time with you. Beloved, do not miss this. This is the core value of following Jesus. It's relationship. What does that mean? I mean, I have a good feeling. No, no, no. It means that you just talk. It means that you just hang out. Sometimes you're worshiping. Sometimes you're asking him things. Sometimes you're asking him for things. Nothing wrong with that. He loves to give you gifts. He loves to take care of you. He loves to fellowship. It says this, that Jesus, before he ever did ministry, he appointed 12 apostles. We got that? Designating them apostles. Why? So they could do the work of the ministry. Yeah, but don't miss that part right there where it says that they might be with him. See, Jesus appointed you not just because he has such a wonderful plan for your life. He does. But he didn't appoint you just for that reason. He appointed you that you might be with him. He appointed you because he likes you. He, li- he likes you. He doesn't just love you out of his cosmic heavenly obligation. He enjoys you. Woo. God enjoys you, Benny. He enjoys you. Yeah, you do. Number three, freedom in the family. 
See, the kingdom is not a labor force. It's a family. Right? We're a battleship. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love all that. We're a family. The kingdom of God is God's family. You're a son. You're a daughter. We all have a common dad. Come on. We all have a common dad. Galatians 4, 4 through 6 says that at the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject under the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law. you got to understand something like this. The, ch- the children of Israel never stopped acting like slaves. God freed them from Egypt, and then they went into Sinai, or they went into the, to the desert. And what happened? They got enslaved to something else, the law. It was good, but they never lost that slave mindset. They always viewed being under the law as slavery. So he says this, God sent them to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so he could adopt us as his very own children. So he brought you out of the slave house, come on, into the white house. He brought you in to freedom. He brought you into family. See, when people come to overflow and they're like, it just, it feels like family. I feel like I belong. It feels like home. You know why it feels that way? Not because we put it on some slick marketing campaign. No, 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 no. The reason why it feels that way is because our father is in the house. And wherever he is, it feels like home. And we're just, we're just wild enough to believe that, that that's the best thing. That the best thing is belonging to the family. We, we, we planted this church. We didn't say, well, that's going to be, that's how we're going to impact. That's how people are going to love overflow church. We never, that was never the thing. People just kept saying, yeah, it just feels like home. It's like, why? Why does it feel like home? Because dad's here. And we're all screwed up and messed up, but we're just all kids. <laughs> Some of us behave a little better than others some days. But we belong. See, the old, old covenant focused on do, do and go and do. Jesus focused on come and belong. Now listen, don't miss this. As kids, we have responsibilities. There are responsibilities. Come on. There, there are terms under this contract. Don't be saying, well, I can do whatever I want. Well, if, if, if you think that that's what the new covenant looks like, then you're living under a far worse bondage than this one. Because you're worshiping yourself. If you look at your responsibilities as a child of God, as a burden, you're immature. Chores at our house is not a burden. It's just a responsibility. It's something you do. You mow the lawn. That's your job. That's your role. I pay the lot bill. You mow the lawn. But you also have refrigerator rights. We have responsibilities. So don't look at your responsibilities as a burden. That's immaturity. See, the problem with the law is the law could sometimes modify your behavior, but only grace will radically transform your heart. Only grace will do that. Only the grace of God that will make you a child of God, someone that was a child of the devil, as it says in 1 John, who whose sins, lives in sin, is a child of the devil. A child of God, listen. The only way that you could do those things is by the grace of God. Grace will radically change that. And some people say, well, Jesus eliminated the moral standard. No, no, no. Jesus raised the moral standard. Remember under the law it said, hey, Jesus, Jesus shows up and he's like, you know where it says don't kill anybody? They're like, yeah. He's like, well, if you have hate in your heart towards somebody, you've killed them in your heart. 
Jesus raised the standard. You've read it said, you've heard it said that if you commit, you know, that, that if you sleep with a woman that you're not married to, that's adultery. And they're like, yeah, that's right, that's adultery. And Jesus is like, I'll tell you this, if you think of a woman lustfully that you're not married to, that's adultery. Jesus raised the standard. That's why it takes grace to accomplish it. The law demands, but grace empowers. So don't, listen, first of all, grace doesn't give you a license to sin. Our, our pastor, Pastor Richie, used to always say, you've been sinning without a license all your life. You don't need a license to sin. No, no, no. Grace empowers you to live in victory. Grace empowers you to live the righteous life that God has ordained for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not for yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not by works that no one can boast. Oh, look at me. No, no, no. Please. We're comparing your righteousness to Jesus, okay? You lose. Every time you lose, even on your best day and his worst, you have bad days. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. So you are created to do good works. Grace will empower you to do those. The problem with religion, and that's really what the old covenant was. It was an old religion. The problem with religion is religion always wants to list. Let me check that off. I did that. Went to church. Paid my time. Nice to people. Fed the homeless up once a year. Didn't cuss too much. I didn't post cuss words on social. Does that count? Didn't repost. Not, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that one. Right? Religion wants a list. What can I do? What can I do? The problem with list is this. List, a list will always limit you. Because people that live by a list, they'll only fulfill what's on the list. And they'll never fulfill it anyway. But they'll, they'll, they'll try to live by the list. And then what happens is they say, well, I'm a good person because I fulfilled most of the list. Are there obligations under the new covenant? Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That takes grace. Because I fall short of that. I mean, I might be like 80% on some of those. Some days, my best days. But hopefully I'm 81% this year. Hopefully I'm growing in it. But only by the grace of God will I grow in it. You okay? So the old focused on behaving, then you can belong. The new covenant says this, you belong, now you can behave. And you behave by becoming like Jesus. You're already his righteousness, now you can start living like him. You behave because you belong, not the other way around. The law said, behave and then you can belong. Religion says, behave, and you can belong. No, no, no. Jesus is like, come on, come on. <laughs> when you got some work to do, it'll happen. I'll give you the grace to overcome. You belong here. And I say that to the people in this room. You belong here, not because you have a perfect life, because nobody in the room does. Except for him. <laughs> and he's in the room. So this new covenant means forgiveness. God, don't remember your sin. Number two, fellowship. He wants to spend time with you. Number three, freedom in the family. You belong. And number four, it is filled with promises. Filled with promises. Verse 8, 6 in Hebrews right there. The covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one. For it's founded 
on better promises. It is founded on better promises. Listen, Jesus forgets your sin, but he never forgets his promises. And his promises for you are good. He promises you future, an eternal future. He promises your provisions that your needs will be met. He promises that you'll have joy. He promises that you'll have peace. It's in the refrigerator, and you have refrigerator rights. It's accessible to you all the time. Jesus promises you wholeness. By his stripes, you are healed. You are whole. You are sozo. Spirit, soul, body, whole. Completely whole. It's filled with promises. And number five, it is fully provided for. Fully. Beloved, he don't need your amendment. It's been fully provided for. You cannot add to what Jesus did. You cannot add to what Jesus did. Romans 8, verse 3, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end. An end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. What does fulfilled mean? Fully filled. What does fulfilled mean? Fully filled. Who no longer follow our sinful nature. You don't follow your sinful nature anymore. You've got a new nature but instead follow the Spirit. I want to illustrate this last point, and we'll be done. When covenant was made in these ancient Middle Eastern times, what would happen was two parties, right? A covenant was between two parties. Would go out, they would find a sacrificial animal, right? Right? And what they would do is they would sacrifice that animal and they would cut it in two. Thank you. Can you come help me, Noah, again, even though you just helped me? So what they would do, you can come up here. Enter. So what they would do with this covenant is they would cut this animal in half. The word covenant actually means to walk in between flesh. So they would cut the cut that carcass of this animal they sacrificed, and they would lay a piece of it on either side, and they would stand back to back like this in between the animals, right? And as they made covenant, they would go through this ritual where they would walk like a figure eight. Go ahead. They would walk like a figure eight, and then they would come back around and come between this flesh that was here. And then they started off back to back, and they ended up face-to-face intimacy. And then what they would do is they would, like, slice their hand. And then they would shake, listen, and then they would, they would clench their hands like that. And when they would do that, the, the blood would begin to mix. And at that time, what they were saying is that was symbolic to say, what's mine 
is yours and what's yours is mine. And if something ever happens to me, everything that is my responsibility now becomes your responsibility. In fact, you are my responsibility and I'm yours because we're in covenant together. Listen, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was the lamb that was slain to where we could come before God the Father and have this connection, this covenant. He said, I will give my son to be in right relationship with you. Amen? And so this is what he does. So when we take, go ahead. When we take communion, we're remembering the body that was broken. We're remembering the blood that was shed. We're remembering the new covenant. That's what Jesus said. This is the blood of my new covenant. We're remembering all the benefits of the cross. We're remembering the benefits of the broken body of Jesus. We're remembering the forgiveness, the access that we have because of the blood of Christ. One more scripture, and we're going to take communion together. Romans 10, verse 4. Christ is the end. I love this. Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. The old covenant was just for a selected few. The new covenant is for all who would believe.